In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room I invite you to Join me in a prayer, allowing my words to be your words. Please take from my words what you can and let the rest wash over you. Let us move into a, a spaciousness in this moment, an emptiness without thinking, nothing to fix. Let us move our awareness down into our hearts. Imagine your hearts then are breathing beautifully and powerfully. Imagine then shifting that energy down as well and activating a couple inches below your navel point, that second chakra where the intuition lives, that gut feeling that we all have. Opening ourselves to that in this moment. A beautiful, beautiful trio of centers of power and of information and communication. The mind, the heart, the intuition. And so I stand with you knowing and recognizing that the presence and power of spirit is always available, that we are always immersed in the smoke of spirit, but that's, that spirit is activated by our welcome. The laws of the universe say it cannot assist us unless we ask for its help. So in this mindfulness of gratitude and appreciation, knowing that that one life is my life, your life, I stand in great gratitude knowing that each and every one of us is informed in every good way in this moment and each moment hereafter that I give my welcome, my approval, and my joy to all that is mine to know, be, and do, and say. That I stand in a divine co-creation with this presence and power, with this cosmic Christ, with this Buddha nature, expanding and stretching myself and expanding and stretching you into new ways of being and thinking and doing, knowing that we will not be the same people we were when we walked in that door this day. There will be a lifting and a lightening of the recognition of the truth of our being which will lighten our burden. As the, the beautiful teacher Jesus said, my yoke is light. Speaking to that divine connection. So we stand in that divine connection. Let us know for ourselves that that deep, infinite intelligence that lives within us and is in every way working for our great good. Removing, dissolving and welcoming the giving and receiving, the reciprocity of life. And so I'm so grateful to know that you and I have everything we need in this moment and each moment hereafter to live a life of purposefulness, of power, of creativity, of opportunity, of clarity of vision, of, of, of just amazing, amazing wonders that appear before us. So I stand with you in, in awe and love and joy, releasing these words knowing that we have lifted ourselves up and out inward and up in a beautiful and powerful way that something beautiful is finding its way to us in this moment for this I give thanks invite you to say with me and so it is Amen
Welcome, welcome. Here we are, first month, uh, Sunday in May. Starting a new book, Stop Saying You're Fine. And the subtitle is The No BS Guide to Getting What You Want. And of course, BS we know means belief system. So I'm just clearing that up for you. In case you were wondering. Uh, by the way, uh, good news for us, the books are sold out, bad news for you. But you know, when you come to the second service, most things happen. <laughs> anyway, it's all good. We'll get, we'll get more books. So we're talking about the realms of consciousness, because I think that is so important. And it's, it's Bring a Friend Sunday, and for those of you that are here for the first time, uh, it is my great privilege and honor to share with you, I think, some of the foundational pieces that we stand upon as a community. We teach the, you know, we, we, we don't, uh, necessarily fit into a box of religion. We are a, a center for spiritual living, which means from our perspective, what is precious to us and we think most valuable for ourselves and others is to learn more about the nature of consciousness and spirituality, which, which filters through all traditions. That's why we, one of the preambles you hear here is we honor always to God. And I think that one of the foundational pieces that we have to offer in terms of what is our foundation, because that's like, well, then anything goes. Well, what our foundational piece is and what we, 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 um, our, our effort and, and, and nurturing is around this idea of the kingdom within, that within each and every one of us lives a, a, an aliveness and a place that is perfect. And the, the great teacher from Nazareth would say, the kingdom within. So when your friends ask you, where are you going? Do you guys pray to Jesus over there? And say, yeah, absolutely. We follow his words perfectly. We, we're revealing the kingdom within. I mean, how can they argue with that? So, the realms of consciousness. So the book, Stop Saying You're Fine, there's a picture of Mel Robbins. You can find her on YouTube. She's an amazing, dynamic teacher and, and uh, cultural creative on the planet that has put together a, a body of work that I think is quite, quite beautiful and powerful. She, talks in the, she begins talking in this book about the powerful you. All of us have this powerful, powerful you. And the powerful you that she points to and some of the characteristics are that the powerful part of us loves discovery, loves learning new things. We love, we love curiosity. We love challenge. It's like, oh, bring it on. When we're in that powerful place, like, you know, we can, we can take the world on. Nothing can defeat us. It loves exercise, physical exercise, to move on the planet. It, there's a vitality in that, that, you know, because we are so much a part of our physical being on this planet, the vitality and the health and the vibrancy and having a healthy body that will carry us to the places that we long to go. And, and being in the beautiful relationships with one another. And also we love connecting with other people. You know, the relationships. We're out in the world, we're interacting, we're, we're developing relationships all, in, in, at, at, all over the map when we're living from that place of power. The powerful you loves checking off goals, having a punch list. Got that done, check. Got this, now I got this new one. Have a list of 10. Okay, I got the top one done, I'm, I'm on to my next one. Add one on the bottom. Loves taking action. We'll get that done. Yeah, come on, we've got this to do. We'll get that done. Love's heading somewhere. Isn't it great to have a trip planned or a destination or a class or an experience that you want to have? Here's Verania over here with Thomas. They've been praying to move from Edmonton to uh, uh, Venezuela for the last 20 years, and we know you're going to get there. So you're heading somewhere. It's good to have a goal, like I tell my kids all the time. It's good to want to go somewhere. So we, uh, that, that powerful place loves talking out loud. Loves you know, having a, a voice that can be heard. And that powerful you wants to grow, to move, and to expand. And I think it speaks beautifully to what Dr. Holmes would say. One of the things I've always loved about our, our teaching and what he wrote was this idea of divine discontent. 
that there's something within us that always is seeking a greater, greater expression. The greater yet to be is one of my favorite phrases, to, to live for the, and give birth to the greater yet to be. That doesn't mean we don't honor where we are. It just simply means, wow, there's always more to know and more to do. And that makes life fun. There's always more, there's always more experience. And we can stretch into that. Now, the other side of the powerful you is the resistant you. And the resistant you does this. It takes the safe bet. What is comfortable and familiar, I'm going with that. The, the sure thing. We like the sure thing. The known path. You know, my tradition and my, the way of being and all the things in their story after story after story of carrying the legacy forth of the family tradition or the country tradition or the, 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 those cultural um, identities and patterns. And, it's, and those are beautiful things, but, when, but many times it becomes, what it does is it keeps us stuck in the, in the same pattern, which is a form of resistance. The resistance you is bored, typically bummed, and broken. The resistance, the power is off, the power button is off, and the resistance button is on. Resistance loves surfing the internet. Anybody here ever surfed the internet? I've never done it yet, but let me know how it feels like. Surfing the internet, you know, and we know we've all surfed the internet, but making that one of our uh, dominant activities. Surfing the internet, vegging out in front of the TV. Vegging out in front of the TV. The hockey playoffs are on right now. Did you know you could watch hockey for like seven or eight hours a day. I don't know if anybody's noticed that, but I can watch, see, I, I PVR them and I watch them in 20 minutes. It's great. I just stop when there's a goal and I back it up a little bit. Oh, that was good. But that's where I am in my life. I mean, I, I wish those guys well, but sticking to routine, I like to stick to the routine, not picking up the phone and hitting the snooze button. Hitting the snooze button, we all have a built-in snooze button. We just happen to have one now on our, on our, on our iPhones or on our uh, nightstands. Resistance loves avoiding confrontation, making excuses, rumination, ruminating. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> the bus came by and I didn't get on. I, I missed my opportunity. Son of a gun. Oh, you know, if I just tried out for whatever, the team, sent my application in. I, I, was, I was just with my son last weekend down in Los Angeles, and, and he was talking about uh, he doesn't like his job. And I said, well, what are you doing about it? And he kind of looked at me, because he was still in not liking his job stage. And I said, well, why don't you go online and look for people that are looking for, you know, looking for people like you and, and send out a few applications. So I saw him the next day, and he goes, I sent out some applications. I said, sweet. Total different energy around him. But, you know, he was in the ruminating, and, the, and he, was still, he was still puling about the, you know, the misery of the condition he was in. And we all do it, but it's nice to, know, to catch ourselves and realize, oh, wait a minute, this means I can do that. I'm certain now that this is not the right employment for me. This is fantastic news. And now I get to apply somewhere else. Why not celebrate that? Don't you think? Yeah. Or isolation. Isolation is another thing that resistance will do for us. We isolate. We withhold. We don't go and share our energy. You know, that, that powerful us is in contact and conversation with people. The, the resistance loves to isolate. Close down. We start making up stories about that. It's one of the outstanding characteristics of addiction is isolation. That's why the 12-step the programs can be so powerful for people because it forces you into relationships. 
So the question that she asks in the middle of this first chapter is, will the powerful you turn on and start taking action, or will you resist and wait just a little bit longer to get the joy, the satisfaction, and fulfillment that you deserve? And that's our question that we can look at today. Because resistance, a resistance equals being stuck. And when we're stuck, it's sneaky. Stuck is sneaky, like stuck is not crisis. When we have crisis, we gotta change. You know, when, when someone, uh, something or someone or some event happens that is, stops us in our tracks, around health or finances or relationship where everything's breaking down or the job that you thought you'd have for the rest of your life, you're no longer welcome there for some strange reason, whatever it may be, crisis. Because you can't control a crisis. Crisis happen. But resistance, we can stay stuck forever because it's the feeling that's just below the surface of our way of being. It wants, it want, uh, we want more but don't know how to get it. So we have that side of lingering discontent, but geez, I get this job's pretty good, and yeah, I don't really like the people I work with, but it's okay because it pays good, it's steady, it's the good hours I have, on and on and on. And say, we say things, theme of the book, say things are fine. How you doing? Fine. But really want more. Look at Julia, she's moving up here to hear this and take notes, it's fantastic. I love that, usually people are moving out the door, but that's great, thank you. <laughs> Love your support. At least that's the story I'm making up about it. <laughs> so saying things are fine. I mean, we all, we've all done it. Have people ask you how you're doing? Fine. Fine. I'm fine. Things are fine. Which we all know what fine means. What did Elizabeth say? Yeah. Frustrating and insecure, neurotic, and empty. There we go. Beautiful, beautiful uh, so anyway, but the enemy of stuck, so the enemy of stuck is action. Take an action. And she uses a story in the, in, the, in the chapter about this woman, Allison, that wants to be an actress. 42 years old, she's doing counseling with Allison. And so she says, Allison, you have this dream of being an actress, and so what have you done to pursue your dream? At 42 years old, she says, nothing. You haven't taken an acting class, you haven't auditioned, you haven't done it, put a, send a resume, nothing. Because what happened for Allison is she sat around long enough being stuck that it became so big, it became impossible for her to even do something small. And so one of the great, one of the great tools around being stuck is just moving, doing something. You know, if we feel like, Jesus, we want to run a marathon or a half marathon or walk a marathon, the first place we'd start if we haven't been walking is probably walk around the block. We, Laura and I were down in the River Valley yesterday and we walked out over to the Hotel McDonald's steps and we walked up the steps and down and I got home and I told her, I said, I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy. And I thought, wow, this is wild. That's a long haul up those steps. It usually doesn't make me dizzy. But it was a very, very exciting week with a lot of stuff going on so I didn't get a lot of sleep so I realized, hmm, I'm gonna attribute to that. I'm gonna try it one more time this week. I'll let you know if I'm still dizzy. But what I'm saying is, is so you start small. You know, I didn't go over there and say, I'm going to do these steps 20 times. I was happy to get up and down them once. You know, yeah, I'm ready, let's go. And I'm so happy that my, my, my physiology is at the point where it doesn't take a lot of activity to break a sweat for me anymore. You know, I used to have to work really hard. Isn't that an advantage? Yeah, I used to have to spend an hour to sweat this much. Now I can do it in five minutes. <laughs> oh, 
so action. So what happens? Why don't we take the action? I'll tell you why. And this is so true for me. But uh, and check it out. See if it's true for you. Because I don't feel like it. Oh, I'm not, I can't do that. I don't feel like it. Really? You don't feel like it? Oh, my God. Well, of course, don't do it. Because we're always supposed to do what we feel like doing, aren't we? See, I don't feel like it is just like, I mean, it needs to be, I think, for all of us, just like this phrase that floats by back and forth once in a while, but it really requires none of our attention. And we give it all of our attention. Oh, my gosh, you know, I was going to do that, but I don't feel like it. We can do it in any activity, whatever we're doing. I'd love to learn how to play the piano. Just not today, because I don't feel like it. I'd love to send my resume out. I'm going to send a resume out every day. I used to do that when I was an actor in Los Angeles. Send something out every day, every day, every day. And then, you know, I'd be good till Tuesday. I'd make the vow Monday evening. I'd be good till Tuesday. And then Wednesday would come. Why didn't you send the resume out? I don't feel like it. I, my divine intuition and guidance said, don't send it out today. Bad thing could happen. Okay, good. We'll go with that. And I'd make up stories about it, whatever. 88% of re- uh, resolutions fail. New Year's resolutions, 88%. Now, I know I'm, sp- I'm talking to the 12% right here, but 88% fail. And they measure that stuff now. Somebody actually did a study of that. They beat me to it. I was going to apply for grant money and study it for 10 years, but they already know, so I've got to find something else. And as she says, you and I are the biggest problem. I don't feel like it. Not in the mood. We think that, and you know, that's why, if you look at armies, you know, if you go, I've, I've had buddies, I never served, but I've had buddies that have been in the United States Marine Corps, served in Vietnam, I've had several really good friends that have spent time, in, and you went up to the drill instructor, because they were doing the training, and said, you know, uh, I don't feel like working out today. They didn't go there. It's not that feelings don't matter, but what they realize is if we're going to make sure everybody feels like going... Before we can run wherever we're running or climb over whatever we're going to climb or, you know, whatever it is, we'll never do it. And so there's something to be said. You know, Nike, just do it. There's something to be said about that. Yeah, I don't feel like it, but I'm still going to go ahead and do it. And she talks about the power of it because action can be powerful in small ways. Timothy Minchin, who wrote Matilda, which is a, which is a Tony Award-winning uh, play on Broadway, and actually one of our, our ministers in, in Denver, uh, Reverend Barry Ebert's son, Gabriel, starred and won an Oscar for Matilda. And, and Timothy Minchin, he's an Australian, wrote the music and the lyrics for it. It's a beautiful, wonderful play that one of these days I'm going to go see. haven't seen it yet, but I, I've read a lot about it. And in his, one of his commencement speeches, they had him speak at the university he graduated from in Western Australia. He's a brilliant guy, if you ever, Tim Minchum. And he said, you know, it's great to have a, a, a dream. And, you know, America, people have dreams. I got a dream. You know, Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. Beautiful to have dreams. But he said, we're far more effective being micro-ambitious focusing on what is before us so well and giving all we have to this and it creates momentum for the greater yet to be. You see, it becomes one of the foundational stones of creating a consciousness and a way of being that, that is lovely. But if, we're, if, if each stone that goes into the foundation of our consciousness is not vibrant and wonderful, if we're doing spiritual bypass or we're, we're just doing our affirmations and, our, and singing happy songs without the, the deeper work being done for the transformation of consciousness, it will fall apart because it's built on sand, not on stone. So action, powerful in small ways, action versus feeling. So understanding how we feel, honoring, oh God, I'm such a sensitive individual and I don't feel like it right now, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. 
having that discipline and devotion. Action, is, as she says, is its own reward. Action dismantles your psychological snooze button. So with that tendency to hit the button, oh, 10 more minutes, just 10 more minutes. Action unites body and mind, brings us together. Many times, you know, I've had conversations over the years with people who say, well, when would you start doing some of this stuff we're talking about here? Yeah, people in class, and this seems like the same problem over and over again. When would you start to take the action to help shift the momentum of your life? And I'll say, how many more talks do you need to hear? And typically they'll say, one more, just one more. Just do one more. One more good talk, and I'm there. Okay, so this is the one more good talk you're going to get today. All right? So we move into what I think is one of the foundational things that's so perfect for speaking to this today called the realms of consciousness or the kingdoms of consciousness. So I want to take them through through the various characteristics and and see if you find yourself in, in one of the kingdoms. The first kingdom... And we all live in these kingdoms, so don't feel like I'm picking on you. The first kingdom, and it's just information, is the the kingdom of slow creation. Slow creation. So if you're setting a goal and an intention and it feels like it's never going to happen, might be because you're dwelling in the first kingdom. That that could be it. It could be that other pieces of it aren't in place yet. There's all kinds of... But to notice that, see where you are in the slow creation. So our indwelling spirit is asleep that divine nature that we talk about and celebrate, that that kingdom within, all of that conversation and activity is pretty much asleep. Our mind is primarily directed by our error beliefs. So we have error beliefs. I'm not good enough. The universal, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I can't do that. Whatever it may be, I don't have enough resources, time, love, health. The indwelling spirit is asleep. Our mind is primarily directed by our error beliefs. We obey our fears. Life's scary out there. We believe life is scary out there, and that is an embodied place for we, that we live most of the time. Then we will extract from the, the infinite evidence to support that. We'll see, things, we'll see things before us that others wouldn't that appear fearful, threatening. And action, I'm sorry, everything, and everything is done to us. We feel victimized. So first kingdom is, is victim consciousness, where we feel at the mercy of everything that blows through. You know, we start to save some money and all of a sudden another bill comes in. And if we're in first kingdom, it's like, oh, I'm never going to get ahead. And, and if we're in second or third kingdom, it could be, yeah, bring it on. I'll take care of this. And, and bring joy to paying a bill and say, look at this. Look how I'm supplied. I got that's covered. Bring them on. I'm ready for bigger and bigger bills. Because I'm opening myself up to bigger and bigger supply. And staying current. And, 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 and welcoming the whole circulation. You know, part of paying our bills is that it supports other people so they can do their stuff. But how, if we're, we're always puling about all the bills coming in, we're in victim consciousness because we believe there's not enough. You know, there's a practice many use, thank you God, every time they write a check, thank you God. Boom, circulation. Boom, circulation. Blessing the money. You know, I'm sitting here drinking water while Robin is singing. And each sip of water, I'm blessing the water. I'm just like, this is my practice right now. You thought I had something else in here, but it's water. Bless the water. And the water will respond. I mean, we're power, powerful beyond measure. I watched Thomas come up. He had his, his Bring a Friend Sunday. There's brownies and cookies back there. And he had a whole stack and he had his coffee cup. I was like, this is abundance. Look at this guy. Yeah. Sweet. Bless all those brownies going in. Make sure they're... Those brownies are broccoli by the time they hit your stomach. I know that. You are so powerful. 
call it a vegetable and celebrate it. <laughs> second kingdom, all right? All of a sudden, second kingdom, we roll into second kingdom, kingdom of solo creation. We start to take responsibility. We start to direct our lives. This is a, there's all these human potential programs out there that are great and wonderful because you can't skip a kingdom. You got to get good at this. What happens is our indwelling spirit is awakening. We start to wake up and realize, hey, there's something more here than just me, this physical body and, and things coming at me in a way that I, I don't feel like I can manage. There's something alive in me. And that is that divine presence. The indwelling spirit is awakening. Our mind is primarily directed by our spirit through intuition. Holmes said intuition is the highest form, of the highest faculty within us is intuition. Because all of a sudden it's communication with spirit in a way that is just remarkable. We know when we know, when deep calls unto deep, Dr. Holmes wrote. Our error beliefs, those misidentities, so error, error beliefs we believe about ourselves are still with us, but they're inner conflicts. So we may carry them a bit. They're still alive in us, but we're not acting them out so much. You know, we'll find ourselves invited to a, a function or something where there's incredible people. Everybody in the place is amazing. And we sort of feel like, wow, I don't belong here. Which is still that lingering idea of I might not measure up. I might not be good enough. I hope they don't find me out. All that stuff. Not a bad thing once again. It's just awareness of where we might be in the moment on the continuum of kingdoms. We expose and transcend the limiting beliefs and errors. So in this kingdom, when we start to take responsibility, we can change things. You can't change much in victim consciousness because you don't have the eyes to hear, the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Get that right? The eyes to see and the ears to hear in, in, in victim consciousness. But in the second kingdom, you start to wake up and realize, I can change this. I can do things here to influence the conditions of my life in greater alignment with that, what I long to experience. So second kingdom to third kingdom, what happens when we put up a building, which is a great metaphor for this, we put scaffold up. Scaffold allows us to work, it allows us to be safe, it allows us to reach the things we want to need to reach in order to put together the building. Second kingdom, from second kingdom where we've built all these structures, in this book, Stop Saying You're Fine, is a wonderful example of second kingdom practices, which are valuable and powerful and I think they align really beautifully with what we teach. There's a lot of people here involved with the human potential movement about taking responsibility for our lives and building a life that's rich and wonderful. All that's important and beautiful. We need to have practices in our lives that, that give us that foundation. It helps build a consciousness as well. But eventually, it, that's not the destination. That's just one of the kingdoms along the way. Because to move from the second to the third kingdom, the scaffold has to come down. We don't need it anymore. So the scaffold is not required. The scaffold is written by Andrei Segovia, a beautiful classical musician. He said, when one puts up a building and one makes an elaborate scaffold to get everything into its proper place, but when one takes the scaffold down, the building must stand by itself with no trace of the means by which it was erected. That is how a musician should work. I think that's how we should live. We need the structure. We need community. We need to read the books and take the classes and, and, and find ways to manage resources. We need to become proficient with finances so that we can give and receive in a healthy way. That we don't move into the sense that there's never enough because when we believe there's never enough, we can never save enough. We can never hoard enough. We can never do everything in our power to make sure that we're safe when in fact we're safe already. So all of these things, so to be able to stand without the scaffold, there he is. And then of course I had a slide, I'm not sure if we were able to pull it up. There it is. 
So that's what the building looks like sometimes when the scaffold comes down. I love that building. I love going downtown and seeing that. I take, when I bring uh, family and friends to, to Edmonton, I always make sure we go by that building. Go, what is that? Man, that is so cool. Oh, yeah. That's just one of our normal buildings that we put up. <laughs> but that's true about, the, so from second to third kingdom, all the, all the skills and talents that helped us thrive in, in um, that's second kingdom, the scaffold comes down. Third kingdom, kingdom of co-creation. We release our error beliefs. We release our inner fears that have created a, a sense of separation. Error beliefs are gone. This idea that we're not connected to spirit, gone. We remember it, it's just not triggering us. We begin to develop an ever-increasing realization of the unity of all life. And we read about that many times with the mystics. The mystics have that experience and all of a sudden it's like, I, I can see a life and aliveness in everything, everything connected. We begin to express through a positive self-image and healthy personal relationships. It is our divine nature, freedom, peace, poison, clarity, to be in healthy relationships with one another, to love one another, support one another without an agenda. They're not having to fix one another, realizing you're having the right and perfect experience. Let people have their experience. We just don't have to get hooked by it. And that's, a, that's, that's serious practice. In the third kingdom, this realization brings greater harmony, ease, and personal freedom into our lives. I'm for that. I'm for the harmony, the ease, and the personal freedom into my life. Third kingdom, this is the experience of living in grace, which is the direct experience of the divine living its life through us. Co-creation, it lives through us as individuals. And then we move into the fourth kingdom. Fourth kingdom of consciousness, cosmic Christ, Buddha nature, kingdom of all creation. The end of our evolutionary journey. This is it. And this is available for all of us. This isn't some pipe dream. This isn't some abstract. We are aware of the oneness of God, God's presence in our lives. In the fourth kingdom, it is here that we realize our true and inherent nature, which is the wholeness, perfection, and freedom of the divine. The wholeness, the perfection, and the freedom of the divine. It, our work now becomes an expression of service as we reveal to others the truth of our being so that they might join us in the kingdom of omnipersonal consciousness. The kingdom of omnipersonal consciousness. And you can call it many things, but it is, it is a beautiful experience. What I know about this is we, what I know about the kingdoms, we float in and out of them throughout our day. You have moments, last month we used Michael Singer's book and he talked about when people have a spontaneous healing and one of the things, the practices that they fall into is this experience of spaciousness where all thought and all feeling is suspended. There's just nothing happening other than this present moment. It's wide open. It's beautiful. Because you come home to yourself. That's a fourth kingdom experience. Now it might last five seconds, three seconds because you might want to jump right back into victim consciousness. But we all live within one of the consciousnesses more often than not, one of the kingdoms. And so if you look at yourself and you realize, well, I'm spending a lot of time in victim consciousness, or I'm really doing well in second kingdom, and once in a while I'm back in first, but I really like to experience third kingdom more, because you can't skip a kingdom. You can't jump from one to four. If you jump from one to four, you'll, you'll probably lose your mind. But, but what I've been told in my experience is we have to, we have to live in all four kingdoms. So it is, it's such a beautiful thing to realize that it's not, a, it's not a way to blame and shame ourselves. It's just to realize, wow, I'm really taking this as a victim right now. 
What can I do? What action can I take? As Mel Robbins would say, what action can I take today to move myself out of this sense of, of everything being done into me, to me uh, to actually a gift, something here to wake me up, to move me forward, to inspire me? I want to leave you with this last quote by Peter Gomes, and then, then we're going to do a short prayer to ground the talk. And Robin uh, Walters has another beautiful song that I think the words are perfect for what we're sharing today. But there's a Reverend Peter Gomes, and I just want to read a short, uh, short section from the first chapter in, in uh, Mel Robbins' book about Reverend Peter Gomes, so you know who he is. It's, it's spelled G-O-M-E-S. He was a renowned theo- theologian from Harvard University. He's a classic Boston Brahmin of the 21st century by way of Cape Verde and a spiritual legend. So he was very connected to the Hindu tradition of Brahman, Brahma and Brahman. It, it, and he, he wrote this, and I'll put the quote up for you. He said, I want to become something more than I am today. And I'm sharing it with you because I share this with him. And he said when he shared this prayer, this declaration with the audience, they all, t- they all took a deep breath and sigh of relief because he was sharing exactly what so many of us feel. And when I read it, I, I sighed and said, oh, there I am. I want to become something more than I am today. Who I am today is not who I was meant to become. My quest is the same as yours. The question we all face is, I'm sorry, let me back up. I went one slide ahead. I've grown tired of where I am. I am tired of my small-mindedness. I'm tired of my excuses. I'm tired of who I am. I'm tired of pretending that all I have, that, that I have it all figured out. Mel Robbins says there's two, when we're in that stuck, we either become a chicken or a jerk. And the jerk will tell you they got it all figured out. He continues, I want to become something more than I am today. Who I am today is not who I was meant to become. My quest is the same as yours. The question we all face is, what about yourself are you willing to shed to become who you were meant to be? What about yourself are you willing to shed to become who you were meant to be? What a beautiful question. What, what can you and I put down today? Something little. Maybe it's a, you know, the, the gateway from Second Kingdom to Third, the two tools are gratitude and forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiving yourself. Maybe putting down an old grudge that you hold against yourself. Ruminating that you should have done it differently. You know what? You did the best you could at the time. Robin has this beautiful song I, I wanted her to do, do it next time she comes back, maybe. It's, it's beautiful called, You Could Have Come No Other Way. One of my favorite sayings. My teacher used to say it over and over again. So stop ruminating. You had to come that way. If you could have done better, you would have. So what I know in this moment, I invite you to join me in prayer, grounding the consciousness that we've shared today, grounding the awareness of when that powerful you is alive. And I celebrate and see the powerful you. And we honor, we honor the, this resistance and being stuck at times all of us have learned so much by that necessary i honor the the realms of consciousness the kingdoms of consciousness i honor first kingdom second kingdom third kingdom and fourth kingdom and i celebrate that you and i have the opportunity to live more and more in that vibrant state of connection and oneness of creativity and opportunity to look out at the world and understand there is nothing to fear. There's only opportunity. The right people and ideas and, and places and time and spaces continue to, to bless our lives and our experiences. I know this is alive as I stand in agreement with this, these ideas. 
I stand in that eager expectancy of the greater yet to be. In gratitude and appreciation for life, for all that it has brought into our experience to shape and grow and expand us and stretch us, I just give thanks for this eternal moment and each eternal moment in the here, hereafter. I know, this, I know this prayer is alive and dynamic for eternity for all of us. For this I give thanks and together we say, and so it is.